Welcome to Dragon Talk, everyone. We're really excited about this special Dragon Talk! Yay, special Dragon Talk! More special Dragon Talk, because... More know, special. They're we have special. an amazing show lined up for you today. Uh, we are going to be talking all about D&D Live 2020, which is debuting on June 18th at 10 a.m. Pacific Time. Tune in to twitch.tv slash D&D, as well as the Dungeons & Dragons YouTube page. Uh, they will all be streaming live there. Follow along on our uh, our Twitter, our Instagram, all of the above, because it will be all Dungeons & Dragons, and you will find out about the new adventure, not to mention some amazing, fun things, and doing it all for a good cause. Red Nose Day is a fantastic charity that we are excited to partner with for D&D Live 2020. They have a really wonderful mission statement in which they are helping children who are affected by all types of adversity, uh, whether that be uh, what's happening with the global pandemic of uh, COVID-19 or institutional racism or poverty. Uh, Red Nose Day has programs that they donate to that affect all of those things uh, in in our communities. And uh, your contributions during uh, D&D Live 2020 role with Advantage all go towards uh, support of those programs. So we're really, really happy about that. There's a couple of things you can do right now. You can uh, purchase a T-shirt from uh, our uh, Custom Inc. program. Uh, This is all on DungeonsAndDragons.com on the D&D Live page. Sorry if I'm talking over Shelly, but I'm getting these all out right now. Um, Oh, I want Or you can purchase purchase an adventure on uh, Dungeon Masters Guild. Uh, It's called Return to the Glory. $10 donation there will all go towards support of Red Nose Day. And right now, you can donate $10 to Red Nose Day and start signing up for D&D Adventurers League gameplay happening all throughout D&D Live starting on June 18th. Uh, We will be presenting four one-hour introductory adventures that will be introducing the new storyline for D&D Live. And uh, you can do that. You'll also get access to a map layer once that opens up. And uh, through exploring on that map layer, as we talked about last week with the Reality RP designers, you might be able to discover some information which will be very important for the 10 community uh, characters that are portraying um, you know, different personages within the area that the adventure takes place. Uh, and you can follow along with that story on Reality RP on our Instagram page, wizards underscore DND on Instagram. Their videos will be posted there, and we're really excited about all of that. So lots of ways to donate, drive information. You, you know, you can get those things that I'm talking about, but you can also just donate towards Red Nose Day throughout this event, and it all goes to uh, helping the world become a better place. And that's what D&D is all about, is bringing people together to uh, fight the evils, uh, whether that be a, uh, you know, uh, a lich or a frost giant or a uh, group of uh, kobolds. Uh, you know, this is what we're trying to do is, is uh, get together like any D&D party uh, during D&D Live and, and uh, do it all. Do it all at one time. What do you think about all that, Shelley? I think it's amazing. I am very proud to partner with this organization. And I love all of the ways that people can uh, get involved. I love that in this um, time that we're living in, I feel like we could all use some connection and positivity and um, and just ways that we can really help those that, that need to be helped by just supporting a hobby that we all really enjoy. So... 
it's going to be a great weekend. Well said. Uh, and we have uh, an interview today that we're really excited about. Rock M. Oh, yeah. Sakura, a fantastic drag performer uh, you might have seen on the most recent series of RuPaul's Drag Race. They are a exciting, uh, you know, D and D gamer, uh, and I'm and really excited to to bring that to uh, the reality RP. They're playing one of the characters there. They've designed an entire uh, drag costume and makeup for yes. this character, which is really exciting. I can't wait to talk to them about that. Um, so we will be uh, heading off to speak with them in just a little bit. But before that, uh, I wanted to highlight some of the games uh, that are going to be happening during oh, the yeah. live. Uh, so right now we've got Deborah Ann Wall at 2 p.m. Pacific time on June 18th leading a fantastic group of individuals, uh, some of which who have played uh, some Dungeons & Dragons before and some are, are really quite new to it. Uh, so we've got Janina Gavincar and Matthew Lillard, people who have been at D&D Lives in the past, Sam Richardson, Amy Acker, and Jay Ellis. I'm very excited about that cast uh, coming together to play with one of my favorite storytellers in Deborah Ann Wall. I know. Those, they're so lucky. I know. Like I just feel, that is a very lucky table to have her as your dungeon master. Especially those who have never played before. They're going to get a great intro. It's true. It's, it's true. I'm I, I, fantastic. Uh, and yes. then on uh, 10 a.m. Pacific time on June 19th on Friday, Chris Perkins will be leading Matt Martin Starr, Brett Gelman, Maitreya Ramakrishnan, uh, Rama and Felicia Day. Uh, so those folks have been, uh, you know, around. Uh, Felicia Day, you, you have seen play with Chris Perkins in the past. Martin Starr, you might have seen play D&D on a little show called Freaks and Geeks uh, back in the 90s, uh, as well as uh, his turn on uh, Silicon Valley. Sorry, I was trying to remember that the name of that one. Uh, Brett Gelman is one of those faces uh, that you'll recognize most probably from Stranger Things, uh, seasons two and three. And Fleabag. And Fleabag, right, exactly. Uh, I think I mentioned this before too, but he's in a little movie called Lemon that I found uh, extremely interesting as well. But that's why his starring role in that. Um, but he'll be playing with Chris Perkins. And uh, Maitreya uh, Ramakrishnan is um, the star of the Netflix show Never Have I Ever. And oh, so, so she good. will be playing with Chris and I can't wait to see uh, that group get together and, and roll some dice for a good cause. That was all, uh, we're calling it the Red Nose Day table because those are all folks who have been uh, really pushing for uh, that charity and will be driving a lot of stuff uh, during that time. So we'll have two hours of hosted panels after that uh, on Friday. And then following that will be a comedian's game at 2 p.m., which we already mentioned, uh, with Kate Welch, Sue Perkins, Kevin Sussman, Brian Pusain, Thomas Middleditch, and potentially two others that I can't announce right now, but I'm very excited about. I like to leave it hanging. I know. Come I'm on. Uh, and then on Saturday, June 20th, uh, we have Chris Perkins again dungeon mastering for the Lost Odyssey Heroes game. Uh, that includes David Harbour, Brandon Routh, Karen Gillan, and Palm Clementif. All individuals who have portrayed superheroes in movies you might have seen over the last few years. Uh, and that is super exciting. I can't wait for that game. There are uh, f you know, a fantastic group of heroes getting together. Hopefully they will be able to right the wrongs that Chris Perkins will put in front of them. <laughs> uh, and then I'm very happy to say D&D's Cast of Thrones will be uh, at 12 noon on and these are all Pacific times, by the way. On Saturday, June 20th, Kate Welch 
will be leading uh, Iwan Rion, uh, otherwise known as Ramsey Bolton in Game, uh, Game of Thrones, Natalia Tena, who played Osha, Daniel Portman, who played Podrick Payne, Christian Name, uh, who we were also speaking to, uh, will be appearing in that game, and Gemma Whelan, uh, Christian, Christian Name, of course, plays Hodor, and Gemma plays... Um, uh, Yara Greyjoy. Uh, so super excited for That's that group of characters to get together. If you haven't seen it yet, there is a video uh, out there right now, uh, which I'll show when we go, we go offline here to those of you watching on Twitch. Um, and it is really exciting. That's so a little, little thing we were talking about earlier. Uh, also, wait. to finish it all out, uh, the WWE game, Jeremy Crawford will be leading uh, WWE superstars Ember Moon, Xavier Woods, Alexa Bliss, Dio Madden, and Tyler Breeze. You may recognize them from a group that plays together on the Up Up Down Down show, uh, and that is super exciting as well. Uh, I hope Jeremy uses his uh, familiarity with playing with uh, WWE superstar Xavier Woods in uh, Penny Arcade's uh, Acquisitions Incorporated and uh, brings that level of hilarity to this game. A little bit of madcap, high-flying fun. I'd really like to see him in a costume, too. Ooh, I hope some some spandex is involved, maybe a... uh, 100%. Yeah. I'm not sure about all that, but, you know, we we can hope. We can dream. Yes. We can write letters. We can demand it. We can speak to his manager. Exactly. Uh, and then at 4 p.m. Pacific time, we've got uh, after shows going on with our hosts, Mika Burton and Anna Prosser. Happy to announce that the two of them are co-hosting D&D Live in its entirety. So you'll see them talking to various groups uh, about uh, some fun things that are going to be announced as well as uh, what they're excited about that we have announced. Uh, and Mark Humes might also be joining those as well. So that's kind of cool from, oh, uh, um, from High Rollers in the UK. Uh, and they will be introducing uh, a couple of segments on the Reality RP show, uh, which we went into detail uh, last week, but it is a mashup of uh, Dungeons & Dragons cosplay with uh, deductive role-playing games like Mafia or Werewolf. Uh, you might be familiar with that. So uh, there are 10 contestants with a host, Mark Mears, playing Prosperon, uh, the warden of uh, the Rebel's End prison. And he has confined these 10 characters knowing that one of them is a uh, secret cultist who may have been sabotaging some of the foodstuffs in the area. And so he's presented them with several challenges or will present them for several challenges over the course of uh, the days of D&D Live. And then uh, in a reality television style, yes. you at home will be yes. able to precip- precipita- precipitate, <clears throat> participate, participate in uh, perhaps feeding knowledge and information to these contestants uh, so that they have more at their disposal to figure out amongst themselves who is the cultist. Uh, and uh, potentially vote them out. So, a lot of stuff. Who do you trust? Who do you trust? I'm already I, confused, and I don't know who to trust. I don't. I know trust you, Shelley. Trust. Me. I trust you to figure it all out. Well, you've played diplomacy with me, so you should know to trust me because I'm very bad at bluffing and lying. <laughs> that is true. You are a straight shooter, uh, I and am. so uh, that was my strategy. Um, we will see how that pans out for our contestants in Reality RP, but it's going to be really exciting, and I can't wait for everyone to uh, check out our Instagram page, follow along uh, as the videos get posted there, as well as on the participants' 
uh, individual, uh, uh, I mean, the characters' uh, individual Instagram pages, but then we'll also be shared on them as well. So uh, check out uh, Wizards underscore D&D on Instagram as well as on Twitter for, uh, and, and Facebook and all of our social platforms to find out more about all of that. It's going right. to be great. How fun. I spilled all the beans. Everybody knows everything now, right, Shelley? Not everything. Not well, everything. you are going to get to the bottom of how to DM in our next segment, right? Yes, I am very excited. I'm talking to Mike Shea, otherwise known as Sly Flourish. And we're going to talk about game prep because it's very overwhelming. Or so I think. Yes, he has got... uh, uh, He he is the author who's created the Lazy DM. Yes. Right? Yes, he has literally written the book for Lazy Dungeon Masters. And I'm intrigued by that because that is not a, a word I would use to describe Dungeon Masters, but... Hey, man, it sounds right up my alley. It's true, yes. Uh, I am all for it, uh, since that is, I think, my, my uh, is, you know, philosophy around DMing is prepping as uh, little as you can and rolling with the punches and improving because yeah. I think that's, that, that's what I get. That takes confidence, though. It does, it does. So hopefully he'll tell you how to, how to get that confidence. Fake it till you make it. Fake it till you make it. All right. Well, let's uh, let's make it happen uh, with your how to DM segment coming up next. Hi, everyone, and welcome to How to Be a DM. Um, today, we're going to talk game prep and. Boy, do I have the best possible guest to talk about game preparation with. This is somebody that D&D fans are very, very familiar with. Uh, Mike Shea, otherwise known as Sly Flourish. How are you, my friend? I'm good. I'm good. It's been weird times, but interesting times. Definitely weird times, for sure. Um, has your Have you been playing D&D still in these weird times? That's good. Yes. Yeah, okay. I, I, I transitioned as fast as I could over to playing online the minute, so you, the minute we all st- started staying at home. Your games are, t- are normally in person. Yes, yeah, yes. yeah. I have two games a week, and both were in person, and both moved to playing over Discord. Oh, that's good. Okay, so that was an okay transition? Yeah, it was really interesting. It was, it was an opportunity to kind of explore a whole different way of playing that I, that I never really used. So lots yeah. of people play online all the time. And I had no experience at all in playing online. So learning from them and then kind of taking that and, and, and trying to help other people do the same was, was a, kind of a fun project. Yeah, it is. Uh, I'm, I'm glad that that technology exists for sure. Because yeah, it's, boy, um, we're lucky. <laughs> we are very lucky. D&D uh, is definitely earlier, something. Five years earlier, would have been the same. Yeah. No. And it's just not something that you don't want to uh, be without right now. I feel like there's a right. lot of benefits to playing for sure. Um, the reason why I say that you're just the perfect guest to talk to about this is not just because people have told me that you're the perfect guest to talk to <laughs> about game preparation, but you are very prolific. You have been writing a DM advice column for years. You've also yeah. written a, two books, well, more yeah, books than that, but yeah. the, the two I'm thinking about <laughs> yeah. are yeah. one called The Lazy Dungeon Master and the other one being The Return of the Lazy Dungeon Master. Now, yeah. Yeah. Lazy isn't a word I would typically associate with being a dungeon master, which is why uh, me and a lot of people don't want to be a dungeon master because we're feels like a lot of work, doesn't it? Too much work. So, what is the lazy dungeon master? Well, the the idea is that 
and and this is an idea that I've heard from many many DMs, uh, and and you know you hear it in many different places. Many that I've interviewed personally, and many that a lot of information that I just heard is that the the best games that people have had are often the games where they prep the less the least, yeah. right? That that over prep is is a much bigger problem than under prep, and it it isn't a you know, it doesn't mean that your prep can be zero or there are some people who don't prep at all, right? They just right. go raw into a game and run it. And that's great. But that's not, I don't think, very common. Yeah. Uh, but where we put our time prepping and what we prepare ahead of time can have a big difference on how how good a game we have. You know, and a lot of people have kind of experienced that. Oh, interesting. There's all kinds of memes and everything about you. You, send, you spend a ton of time coming up with all of this material ahead of time and then your players jog left and they don't, see any of it right and it's that, a, it's a that is kind of a hundred percent my first my first yeah. dm experience and that's why i was like i'm done with this i'm done it's pretty, and i think that's a pretty common dm experience right and and yeah. so figuring out what to prep and and how to prep it can have a, a a really big impact on that not just in the amount of time and energy we spend on it but also in where the game ends up heading and and the kind of fun that people have Okay. So that was a, that was kind of the core concept I, I sort of hung on to and said, let me explore this and then have spent the last six years or so exploring that topic. So it's not that there's, it's not preparation. It's just be smart about what you're yeah. preparing. Yeah, but, but you're, I mean, that's the theory, right? And yeah. everybody has a different approach and there isn't a right answer. You know, there's not, there's not one approach. There's not, there's not one perfect way to do it. Everybody sort of has their own their own approach that they take. And, and over time, I think they, they, they narrow that down to the ones that works best for them. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, in general, that's the idea is putting, putting, putting the energy in the right place. So as for a new dungeon master, like what, what is the right place? Or I, is that the same for all dungeon masters? <laughs> so yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I, I'm always very apprehensive of saying like, this is, this is the way to do it. Right. Cause there are just so many different ways and nobody has the right answers, but uh, an approach that seems to have worked for a lot of people yes. uh, is, is, and, and, and one that I, that I use and I have used now for years and, and it has worked well for me is starting, you know, starting first by, by asking who the characters are, if you know. So who, who, you know, what are they playing? What are the backgrounds? Because what players care about is their characters, right? right. They, they want to know who their characters are and how they're going to relate to the world. And if, if it, as a DM, you're spending time considering the characters before you consider anything else in your game, you're, you're going to be in a better position to be able to draw those characters into the game that you're running. Okay. I don't know why I'm, I'm like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, it makes sense, right? But I but, didn't do that before. Guess what? The world is our character, and that's who we well, care. Well, exactly. Like I was like, <laughs> right. well, it's obviously the story is what's most <laughs> right. important. Story oh, it's really not interesting. So okay. that's that's probably step one, and then um, step two. You know, again, different approaches are, are there are many different approaches, but I would I would I would argue that figuring out where your game is going to start is probably more important than anything else after looking at the characters. Like, what are you going to do the minute everyone's sitting around the table and it's time to begin the game, right? Where, Ugh. where, what can you, you know, what event is going to take place? What exciting bit of action might happen that's going to immediately take your players out of the real world and into the, into our, our fantasy world. And it's about the only time the DM has control over the story at all, right? Like right. Yeah. that start happens, you have no idea what's going to happen after that. And but, I think that's important for dungeon masters to know. Yeah, that that, and, that and is the only time that you control the story. The only time, right, and 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 right, and as soon as that happens, it's it could go in any direction, okay. and then you want to be prepared for it to kind of go in any direction. Right, but how and, do you prepare for that? Well, there's, there's tricks to that too. <laughs> okay, and um, you know, I would I would argue that like the next 
uh, sort of the next big one that I often focus on uh, is is uh, a thing, a concept that I that I that I thought about a while ago called secrets and clues. And the idea here is that you write down ten things the characters can discover in the next game, and they're like tweet sized things. Oh. So like, and it could be anything from a major plot hook, something that's really going to draw them in, to just a little bit of lore, just something, you know, just something about a god that they might run into. Uh, but the, the the focus on the question is something the characters can discover in the next session. So you're still limiting it. It's not just anything. It's specifically things that they might run into. Uh, but the dirty trick there is you don't define how they're going to find out that secret. You don't say that secret is going to be uncovered after they do this one thing. Instead, you just hang on to them. And then as the characters are interacting with the world and as they go in and they see a statue, you can kind of say, huh, I wonder what that statue is like. And you look at one of your secrets and you say, that is the statue of the, you know, the god Dumathoin, you know, or, or whoever, right? You, you, you pick out like a particular piece of lore and tie it to something that the characters discovered in the game uh, spontaneously. So this kind of falls into the idea of being prepared to improvise, right? You, yeah. you, coming up with a secret with, on the fly is really hard. But being able to take a seat you already spent time thinking about and apply it to something that just happened in the game is actually a little bit easier. It's like guided improvisation. Yeah. yeah so right, right. do you have them as are they is it is the intention that they will discover all of those things you've written Not down, or you just pick a handful? Yeah, so this is pretty interesting. I, I started I started streaming my game prep about uh, three couple couple years ago, and and I had somebody who asked me that. And the cool bit was I could go back and look at previous times where I was prepping my session and say, here's the ten that I prepped. How many of them got discovered? And it's about for me, it's about half. Okay, right? about about five out of the ten actually get discovered, and that's fine. And then what I'll do is I'll throw all of them away and start with a fresh set every game because the world has changed since the last session. Oh so I don't God. have like some giant Excel spreadsheet that has 350 secrets on it that I haven't uncovered yet. Uh, good, good secrets will organically make their way to the next part of the list. And uh, bad secrets will disappear because the world has changed, right? Like the, the focus of the characters and the way the direction of the story has gone, those secrets might now be obsolete. So doing that fresh every game certainly helps me both stay on where the game has been headed, like where the story is, has been going, um, and uh, uh, not sit on a on a giant pile of of old old notes that I don't need. Old so. dirty secrets. Yeah, right, right. And, uh, and you know, like, again, like some secret will just keep getting passed along, right? Like eventually right. they're going to learn this important thing. But some of them are just like, nope, they never cared about that. And and so that that so part of the world. So every before every session, you create ten new secrets. Yeah. yeah. And is it because? You say like, well, the world is new now. It's they're in a different part. Like, so even right. are these things that even y you don't know in advance? Like, you're kind of discovering yeah, the world too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and then of course sometimes you never know. You just say something and suddenly it becomes true, and they're like, I better write that down. <laughs> like suddenly the, the world just got solid, and I didn't expect it. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So so I'll I'll often uh, uh, during that time. I mean, the hard, the funny thing about the ten secrets is usually you can do seven pretty easily. Right. And then it's those last three where you're just sitting like, oh, like, what am I, you know, what are, what are the last, what are, I need three more, you know, what are those going to be? And then you come up with some really interesting ones. You know, there's usually, usually those last three are really, are really pretty interesting because you've dug so down deep in your brain to try to pull these up. But you don't so. keep them anywhere. Like, I mean, I like, have them on like old notes, right? I have like old text files, but I never go back and look at them again. You never do. You have come up with, I mean, this is a lot of secrets that you That's have okay. come up with. Yeah, yeah. but it's not, there, it doesn't take a lot of time. It's like 10 Put them in your next book. 
<laughs> well, it's, you know, they're all kind of. I'll take know, some of those secrets. All sort of dead. They're all sort of dead at that point. But you know them all. They're dead all... to you, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I think that that's really. Cl- I like the idea of this like guided improv because the improv thing I think is is also another hang up that new dungeon masters have is like I can't I can't think that quickly of yeah. something, and yeah. also like I guess I wouldn't have even thought to put secrets in the game like like i i guess like i don't know when to reveal information right right yeah and that that can be tricky and and you know i don't know that there's a great answer like it, improv is hard right and and some of the you know dming and dming and sort of having the story flow in a direction can be can be can be tricky yeah. uh, the nice thing is having spent that little bit of time up front to to sort of have this uh, makes you feel a little bit more comfortable. It makes me feel a little bit more comfortable. Me too. I and can then, see that. and that's really what I'm trying to do. Like above all, the one most important thing that game prep does is makes you feel prepared to run the game. And it kind of doesn't matter how you get there, as long okay. as when you're sitting down, you feel like, oh, this is going, yeah, it's going pretty well. So this is one of the places that you should spend your time prepping the secrets. Oh yeah, did, I think it's okay. I think it's probably. You know, I never want to say most important. Like strong, you know, having a good strong start is really important, and reviewing the characters is really important. Oh yeah, uh, reviewing the characters. Yeah, knowing where the game's going to start. Yeah, and the secrets. Yeah, those those. If I had to pick three, so when I when I wrote Return of the Lazy Dungeon Master, I have eight. Right, there's there's actually a full eight steps, but those those are really the the big three. Right. Okay. So yeah, I think those are good. Like that is that is a yeah, very I've, strong I've run four hour games with just those. Okay, I was going to ask, how long are your these? So mine are typically you're... two, two and a half hours. I like shorter. Okay, I like shorter sessions. We do so, them in wow. the. Game. You yeah. reveal like five ish secrets in mm-hmm. two hours. Yeah, yeah, thereabouts. Yeah, and I, I'm not thinking real heavily about them while it's going on. It's just sort of the nice thing to have when, when something happens. You know, if they they pick up a magic weapon, they there's an inscription on the weapon, and this inscription is describing this old empire that existed five thousand years ago. And you're like, oh. okay, and then and what if they say? We must go find the runes of this empire. Then you know. Well, then, yeah. But now you have to know the runes of that empire. Yeah, or, I mean, oh, it yeah, could take them. It could take them weeks to yeah. get there. But right. Well, then you, then you worry about that for next session. <laughs> right. You, you, you do the same oh. thing for the next. So you just got to be open. Like these secrets are going to open all sorts of. You can. Yeah. Doors I've certainly had it. I'm running. I'm running two Eberron games now, and and I'm not a huge. I'm not totally steeped in Eberron lore. I'm getting better and better. You know, as I as I as I play. Um, but yeah, there's so much fun old Eberron lore. And I definitely had, it wasn't exactly a secret, but the same kind of thing where they found a doorway to old Sharn, you know, the, the, the city that sits beneath that Sharn. The, the first city that I played the Indian. Yeah. And, and so there's this, you know, 10,000 year old former goblin empire city that sits beneath Sharn. And all my players are like, we got to go down there. And I'm like, what about this whole other storyline? And like, oh no, I want to go in and we're opening that door. I'm like, okay. And then I'm like, you know. Get ready to get ready for them to go into that old room. Of course, so. I mean, like, it seems like that would be a natural uh, desire for a player. You would think, like, yeah. I'm going there, to go. There's this whole important event that's happening over here, but oh, we care what's behind the door. But there's a door. And yeah, it's closed. Door, open it, and yes. you're making it look dangerous, and that that's pretty interesting for us. So, um, yeah. okay, so you mentioned like getting to know the characters. Yeah. So are. Are there backstories? Are they ever some of the secrets that you reveal? Sure. Yeah. And actually a really good source of secrets comes from from those backstories and how yes. the backstory can relay, you know, how can how can it can tie into other elements of the story. 
So yeah, you know, like a, we have a Warforge character, and I look at her background, and she says that she was, you know, one of the first Warforge. She was actually human originally, and then House Kenneth kind of modified her and turned her into a Warforged. And one of the keys is that she has this missing twenty-four hours. And I said, you know, I don't think it was House Kenneth that made her alive. I think it was the Emerald Claw that made her alive, you know, that, that added life to her and that she's actually uh-huh. got this like undead bit to her. And so, you know, that became a secret, right? And now that, that could be something that gets revealed over time, you know? So and, did you make sure that that was one of the, wait, is this really one of the secrets? Cause I feel like yeah, we're spoiling it. Okay. That's okay. Well, don't, okay you're right. <laughs> okay. You better, you better reveal it. You have to reveal it by like next Monday. Cause yeah. I think that's when this is airing. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Um, uh, yeah, no, she, she, I think she picked that one up. I think she talked to her, she talked to her maker who, who let her know this fact. Oh, so. interesting. So how else may I, uh, prep my characters and so, or the information I get from them? Um, well, writing it down is a really good step. Um, and, and I think kind of, you know, I've, I've found that the, you know, three or four sentences of background is about as much as I can digest from a character. And if oh, they, that's if, a good key if, right there. Limit them. <laughs> three or four pages, you know, that's, that's going to be a bit much. And oh, yeah. particularly when you've got like a game with, you know, five, five characters or six characters in it. Yeah. Trying to make sure every one of them gets their shining moment and, and has all of this background. If you've got three pages per year and it's, it's not really going to happen. So do you, you know. ask them to give you a secret about their character? Um, I don't usually ask for a secret, although I've certainly I've certainly heard that of 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 you know what's a secret that you and the DM knows but the other the other players don't, yeah. and that that can work out. Sometimes that leads to like inner party conflict kind of stuff, or they'll feel disappointed if you never actually tie into it. I've certainly had yeah. players where they have a secret in their character, and it's like look, the game just never headed that way. Yeah, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> and there would be some. You're yeah. you're definitely laying out an expectation there. I guess if you're asking like. Yeah, I tend. I've, <laughs> I've been tending to lean the other direction, which is trying to ask why the characters are together in the first place. And you know, that's why I like things like the Eberron group patron. You know, that that to me was an important yeah. conversation to have because now you, the DM, has this central focus for all the characters. That's much easier to tie into the story if all of the all of the characters are tied to it than than if everybody sort of is off in different directions and you're constantly trying to pull them all in together. That can be really. That could be really tough. That could be. So when you're talking about preparation, though, like, oh, this is a question that comes up for a lot of people. And you've kind of touched a little bit on it. But when nobody wants their game to be on rails. Right. But also nobody wants to just be like, I don't know what's that. I don't know what's in that kitchen. No right. idea. I didn't hear anything. Um, so, but how do you prepare in a way that's not like, Overprepared, but you're not caught off guard. Is there a balance? How do we find that balance? Well, yeah, I think I think that idea of sort of like leaving things, you know, prepping certain things, but then leaving them unattached, so that you can then um, drop them in in whatever direction the player's head uh, is useful. So an example would be like if you have a blank map, you know, you have one of those awesome Dyson logo maps, and you. Um, you, you leave it blank, but you write down sort of 10 locations that the characters might discover on this map. You can move those locations around. So if they right. end up heading west on the map instead of east, you can still kind of say, like, what's, what's an interesting one of these locations that I'm going to put in this next room? And because they're not associated already, 
uh, you can move them around while the game is going on. You've still kind of said what's in there and why it's important and why it matters and what the players can do, what the characters can do when they get there. But you didn't yet associate it to a place. Um, that can work. That can also get a little loosey-goosey, you know, and then yeah. the world doesn't feel as solid as it could. Uh, but, hmm. you know, but it is a way to sort of, you know, make sure it doesn't feel too sandboxy. Yeah. Or it doesn't feel too on the rails, but not so loose that like they're wandering way off and they're not getting to the one room they really had to get to. And it's like, well, we'll just move the room. <laughs> you know, like, you know yes. Whole- Somebody else had told me that because, you know, describing my first experience when like they didn't go where I wanted right. them to go. And he was like, he was like, well, why didn't you just change like wherever they went? Just put whatever you had planned. Like it's the door number two instead of door number one just put it in door number two um and i just didn't think of that but yeah i guess there is that freedom to just move things around to your world yeah and and there's also this idea like if they're if they're hunting a certain object or they're or they're looking for a, a villain or something like that uh and that's their primary goal the object and the villain can move around too right and even if you have right. this sort of boss room the boss room can move wherever you need it to move to, right? So, like, you know, you can have them explore for a while, but then you can move the boss room wherever you need that boss room to be at the at the moment you want it to show up. Or, you know, the alternative is if you have a great big dungeon, let them explore the whole dungeon the way it is. And if you've got, you know, if you're running over multiple sessions, maybe it lasts one session and maybe it takes three or four. You know, if, if people have the time for that, that can work as well. Yeah. I could, yeah, I could see that. So... I mean, so I imagine that you probably are are always running like homebrew. No, I run. Or the do you run a lot of? Run you do adventures. Yeah, I'm running Descent into Avernus in. Oh, okay. Hour. <laughs> do you? Oh, that's the game that you have coming up. Yeah. Oh gosh. Okay. Um, do you use any of these tactics with yeah. published adventures? Like, so you can works. flavor them your own sure. way, or are you pulling things out of them to? Yeah, it's, like it's been actually an interesting. So, right from from my understanding, more people play homebrew campaigns than play in published campaigns. But you know, by, by it's about and it's not quite fifty fifty, but it's it, there's a pretty good split there. And um, yet, I almost exclusively play published adventures okay. uh, because you know, a I think you guys do an outstanding job putting them together and that, like I mean, them. And you know, I can't do that amount of work <laughs> for my home. It's a lot of work. <laughs> so why don't I capitalize off of that? Like I'm getting a tremendous book for, for a relatively low amount of money. Consider, you know, compared- and it frees you up to write your advice column yeah, and right. your other books and yeah, right. help other dungeon I'm masters. My advice columns, like, hey, here's how to play the you know the Dragon of Ice Fire Peak. So yeah. um, the uh, but but with Eberron, I said, you know, I really want to run my own Eberron campaign. So I'm still running an Eberron, which is still a published a whole yeah. published play. I thought I want to kind of run my own adventures and sort of get used to that. And what I found is like, I really do prefer playing published adventures. And, and it's because about, you know, when I mentioned those eight steps, like five of those eight steps are done for me if I'm running a published adventure and I will still do the three that I mentioned. I'll still have a strong start. I will still, uh, review the characters before I run the game. Right. Uh, and we'll still have 10 secrets and clues. I'll do the secrets and clues anyway. Many times, the secrets and clues could be things I'm drawing right out of it. So tonight, right. earlier today, I was getting ready for the Avernus game, and I was looking through the chapter saying, oh, there's a good one, and I dropped that in as a secret and clue. Oh, that's a good one. And that way, I have just these like little you know, bullet points of information that I can give to the players when they're, when they're playing the game. Uh, but in this case, they, a lot of them came from the, came from the adventure itself. So, um, yeah, there's definitely a... Uh, 
you know, there's definitely, I mean, there's easy parts and there's hard parts because the other parts, you know, it's, they're great big books. So you got to actually sit down and read them, yeah. uh, but they're, they're usually a pretty fun read. So, you know, it's, it's prep, but it's, it's a different kind of prep. So do you, you read the whole, whole book cover to cover? Uh, oh yeah, sometimes. But do you, do you, as a, as a dungeon master, you like, should. do you want to know, like, everyone should know, like, this is how it starts, this is what happens in the middle, and this is, like, you're, you're I'm, like, this genuinely book. asking, like, yeah. is it because you have to prep? I usually read a chapter ahead. Okay. So. Oh, okay. You know, All right. I, I try to, I try to, you know, get a, a good idea of what's going to happen. And this is, I think, is also valuable for running any kind of D&D game of thinking, like, I call it, like, thinking two horizons out. Right. I don't need the whole world. I just need to know like what the characters can see and what they can see when they get to as far down as, as they can see. So the same works with like, you know, I'm, I'm, with, I'm running Descent into Navardus now and they just got to Candlekeep. So I'm still right at the end of chapter one, which means I've read through all of chapter one and all of chapter two. Okay. So that I have an idea where they're going to be. But like once they get out of Elturel, I have no idea. You know, I've read a little bit, but I don't really have a good idea of what's going on there. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, okay. One last question. Sure. What What do you personally do? Like, how do you track your notes? How do you like keep track of what happened in the game? Like, do you have a system? Do you use Excel or do you just like a pen and paper guy? No. So I, I, I have been doing text files. Like I would just write it in a text file. Um, and, but recently I've, I've gotten, uh, uh, I've gotten a lot of use out of a tool called Notion. Uh, and a lot of people, a lot of people really love OneNote. Uh, Microsoft OneNote is a way to store things because you can throw out images and maps and stat blocks and everything in there. Um, but I, I, yeah, one of my one of my players uh, got me onto Notion, and I've been using that to manage my campaign notes. And I've only started using it actually for about a, a week, like a little bit more than a oh. week. Um, but already, it's kind of changed how I've been organizing my notes, and I'm mostly in images. I've been using a lot more pictures, and I find oh that, really yeah, having the pictures in front of me. Uh, a, it makes it really easy because I'm playing over Discord. It makes it easy for me to drop an image into Discord so the players can see it. Oh, yeah. But it also kind of gets my head in the game more so than when I'm staring at a text editor. So if I'm actually looking at the artwork from, from an adventure, it kind of gets my head in the right place uh, while, I'm, while I'm doing the prep. And I just like it. It's fun, it's fun to do. So, yeah, I like that. Okay. Um, okay, I lied about the questions. That have been the last one. <laughs> That's cool. The, Second to last question. Um, will you come back? Because Absolutely. I just realized like we are out of time and <laughs> I asked you like two of my eleven hundred questions. Yeah. Um, so time. I would love to talk to you again yeah. if you're up for that. Yeah. Uh, I know it's an important topic for new dungeon sure. masters. Yeah. We have to break that barrier that there's so much preparation and that's why yeah. we don't want to do this. Yeah. Um and then the for real last question. You work on so many great things. You have so many projects um, happening and coming out. Tell everybody where they can find you and what cool things you're working on and the best place to, to get all of that information. Sure. Um, so, so my website is slyflourish.com, uh, and that's probably the best place to find all of the various things that I'm working on. Uh, but most recently, I've partnered up with two other uh, D&D uh, veterans, James Intercasso and Scott Fitzgerald Gray, uh, oh, both of, legends. Yeah, both legends, right? Uh, and uh, the three of us are currently working on a book called Fantastic Layers, uh, which is a book of uh, boss battles and climactic encounters for 5e. Uh, there's going to be 20 of them, at least 20 of them in the book. We're looking at, at 20 of them right now. 
and uh, and we have a Kickstarter going for it. So we're the, the Kickstarter is already funded, and we've oh, been smashing stretch goals. Yeah, thank you. And uh, yeah, the, the the stretch goals have gotten us up to twenty layers so far. We have a whole bunch of interesting things going on there. Other 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 little supplementary products that we're putting together. So it's been a been a real been a real blast, and we really think people are going to like it. I think they're going to love it. Clearly, they do because you've already uh, beat a bunch of your goals. So yeah. It's more work for you, I guess. That's that's cool. That's the work we want to do. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, congratulations. Thank you. And thank you so much. This is like, it's like, yes, this advice makes sense to me. And I'm actually kind of, I think I might start like keeping a, a list of secrets just in yeah. anticipation of, yeah. of when I start being a dungeon master. Yeah, yeah. So it's thank good, you for that. Good thing to do. All right. Well, thank you so much for uh, being here. You bet. Thank you for having me. And we will talk again. Great. Bye. Did you learn everything you needed to learn about how to be a lazy DM? Yes, I did. And I'm inspired again. You shall become the one who does not prepare. He is uh, just a wealth of information really and inspiration. Is. So really I think we'll have to continue that conversation at another time. Uh, you know, who else is a wealth of inspiration and uh, community and uh, performance is our guest, Rock M. Sakura. Oh! Can't wait. Uh, I have been a fan of... Uh, the combination, the Venn diagram of drag oh, performance and uh, uh, and Dungeons and Dragons, you know, kind of cosplay role play uh, things, and I'm, I'm I'm hoping for that Venn diagram to get even even closer together uh, with uh, this performance. So uh, let's get Rock M Sakura on the line. Hi, everybody! Welcome, Rock M Sakura, Rock M Sakura. Two. I told you you'd get it wrong. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. But I, you I have did it wrong us in the for intro. Of course, on your existence. <laughs> uh, rock M. Sakura. No, as soon as you said it, it was like like it's like Rock M. Sakura Robots, but Rock Well, that's exactly Sakura. what I was going to say. Now that I'm hearing it pronounced correctly, or is this a riff yeah, off easy, Rock M. Sakura? Easy way for you guys to pronounce it is like soccer ball, or like your socks, so- or uh, just Sakura. just say rock like RuPaul does. Hey, Rock. Well, welcome, Rock, to Dragon Talk. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm a big fan of the show. Oh, thanks. Really? No, I've never seen it before. (laughs) I was going to say. I'm really glad to be on here. Hold on. Let me roll an insight check. Uh, Yeah, no, that was not uh, truthful. But you will be after this episode. Yeah, but my charisma is so high that you're not going to get mad at me. (laughs) That's true. That is true. No. We are not and going to get mad. I am sad because we had uh, 10 minutes prior to turning this on live of a really good conversation <laughs> about <laughs> lunch when you were a kid and cereal. Let me just say and- this. If you like Raisin Bran, um, you're, an, you're an idiot. <laughs> you better we roll getting- charisma. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I... I I like you would like raisin bran the way I like raisin bran covered in sugar. Trust me. Well, yeah. If your if your proportion of raisin bran to sugar is one to three, then obviously yeah. it's going to be good. Yes, that's how I drink that's my the coffee. The only way I know. Yeah, that's how I drink my coffee too. My coffee is less coffee and more. Um, 
I'm I'm Asian, so uh, dairy is the um, the crux of my 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 race for all lactose intolerance. So um, I wake up in more ways than one. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. <laughs> yeah, I was in a Folgers commercial and they had to cut it too graphic. <laughs> as <laughs> I, I couldn't even hear the tune in the back. Oh, but they man. can hear the toots. Yeah. <laughs> t- see, so you could be the spokesperson for the squatty potty, which was also something we talked about prior to going live. Exactly. I'm on a squatty potty right now. <laughs> it, it keeps my posture well in front of the green screen. I'm also using the bathroom. So Whatever works I for had, you. It helps. I just have no fiber in my diet. Raisin bran. Um, yeah, raisin bran would help with that. You need the raisin bran. <laughs> That's true. Give me those gross, gross raisins. <laughs> it's really the brand. Just cut out the raisins and just go for the brand. I feel like if I ever have kids and I need to punish them, then raisin brand is more um, it, it is more in line with what I would do rather than like corporal punishment. Like why spank your kids when you can force them to eat um, bland breakfast cereals? I think that's truly horrible. That's a true. I just punishment. did that. In fact, my kids were like. <laughs> My kids are like, I'm hungry. I'm like, there's cereal right there. Just eat it. Oh, that's like, that's our first choice. Captain Crunch oh, and then lemon juice. Cut up your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> that's true horror. Well, we are talking to you, Rock, not because of breakfast cereals and squatty potties, but because oh, yeah. of your fandom of Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, you've been playing for a long time. Uh, yeah, I've been playing since 2009. Um, what really got me into the series was, um, well, I mean, I would frequent the local comic book store, and I thought the nerds there were very cute. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm heavily attracted to orcs, so. Uh, <laughs> where, where was you that comic book store? In, in uh, so that was in Santa Clara. That was at, um, it was called, uh, a shop called Isle of Gamers. And pretty much, you know, it's your typical uh, comic store with tables in the back where you can do role playing or board games, wherever you want. And so you started going there and seeing the people playing D&D and you're like, I want I want to do that. I did uh, mostly because so I do drag now and drag in a sense is like its own um, role playing in real life. And something about role-playing or playing another character or creating a fantasy had, has always been a, fan, like a fascination with me. So um, the game naturally just kind of pulled me in. I was also really into uh, Community. But you probably got, you hear this a lot. You know, Community, Dan Harmon. The show, they yeah. Had, they had the Dungeons & Dragons episode. And I followed Harmon Quest, or uh, Harmon Town, which was his podcast. Um, with Dungeons and Dragons, and um, I also watch the show um, uh, Harmon Quest, which is the animated Dungeons and Dragons. And yeah, yeah, around that time, I was very, very into Dungeons and Dragons, mostly because I was not super close with the gay community at the time, and I feel like I was more in tune with the nerd community, if that makes sense. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And so, what was your what was, what was your first experience playing like? What, what did what? How did you jump in? And and uh, uh, you know, what was your characters? What was the DM like? Oh my god! My first okay. So my first game that I had was actually before I really started to get into Dungeons and Dragons. 
It was in like my freshman dog? year of high- yeah. What was that? That was a dog. Wow, he really <laughs> likes. How much raisin bran did you give that? It's the raisin bran. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, busted. I was punishing my child. I'm calling Peter. My freshman year of high school, I uh, went over to a group of friends' houses, and um, they're they're new friends. So it's like a friend of 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 a friend that you met at an anime convention. Okay. Um, So... They were playing Dungeons and Dragons, and they wanted to know if me and my other friend um, would join their campaign. And I had never played before at all. I had never. My only experience with Dungeons and Dragons had been that horrible movie from the nineties. Oh, yeah. yeah. So that is not a good introduction. That was a big, big blow to the franchise. Um, so. No comment there, but uh, (laughs) my nodding can do enough, right? And I wasn't very, like, super openly gay when we first started playing, so my character was, like, a big, a big buff human. Yeah, this is, like, bland vanilla um, character. Like, a big buff human, uh, a fighter, um, and there was, like, literally no defining character traits other than the fact that, like, they were very stoic. And they were really strong. That's it. So, like, it's like how when furries get into the furry fandom and their characters are a husky. Like, that's, 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 it's a joke within the furry community. Don't, don't ask me how I know. I'm not a furry. But <laughs> when you're a nerd, you know a friend of a friend of a friend who's, who's a furry. So, uh, these jokes rub off on you. Um, so... <laughs> Well, I mean, what you're talking about here is really cool because there's so many intersectionalities between drag, between D and D cosplay to uh, to the furry community. So, you know, there there is this uh, I think it's through line connected. through everything. It's like it the is. Da Vinci Code, but with things that people don't care about. <laughs> A lot of people care about them, though, right? I know it's true. I care about it too. Yeah. Um, so. But, uh, sorry, go ahead, go ahead. No, I want to hear the, the rest of, of about this character and how long you played this character. Uh, I literally only played that character for about uh, two weeks, and then we all kind of stopped hanging out. But essentially, in the course oh. of three weeks, I got to know that that group of friends was very homophobic. Oh. Oh, no. Um, was very mis- well, This is in early high school, too, so homophobic, misogynistic. And their campaigns revolved a lot on like self-satisfying self-gratifying like um i don't know like overt shows of macho-ness you know Mm. what i mean um which is why i didn't play dungeons and dragons for a long time um until i had graduated high school um the main thing that kind of turned me off especially was like being like an effeminate um you know a gay person um, the, the game itself did not feel like it was very, um, open and inviting to like LGBT people, um, which is, which is not true at all because it is, is open role-playing and RP and it, it truly is, it is the people and, and the community around everything that kind of brings you into the game. 
um, especially now, a lot of like a lot more people um, who are LGBTQ plus, you know, um, and and women like uh, cis women are all playing Dungeons and Dragons more um, because nerd culture is changing. And we're holding people more accountable for um, misogynistic, chauvinistic, or homophobic or racist behavior, which I think is cool. I agree with that. Um, but I'm so this character, though, I'm like kind of fascinated by <laughs> why, like, you did you feel like knowing the group that you were playing in? Did you feel like compelled, like, I better create this like super buff character? Did you feel like it was sort of like a mask? That's exactly or, like, trying to like hide. Yeah. Your that own was identity? definitely like a trying to pass for straight sort of thing. And I was like, what's straighter than a big, sweaty humanoid <laughs> with a long broadsword? And there's like no points in acrobatics. There's no points in charisma. It's like yeah. all no in strength theatrics. and dexterity. Um, uh, I, I Basically what it was, was I was trying to like prove to everyone that I wasn't gay. And... It's it's so different now because that character was I, I can't even remember his name. It was it was so many moons ago. Uh, I think it was like fifteen years ago. I'm old now. Um, <laughs> but the the character was so bland that I, I can't even remember. And it also just was not indicative of who I am now. Right. Which is why I I can't remember anything. And now when typically when I RP or I do Dungeons and Dragons, I create characters that are either androgynous or characters that are women. Um, as mostly because I identify more with female or effeminate characters or non-gender descript characters. I, um, you know, what you know when you RP, it's so important to kind of have a character that you can play and that you can relate to in some sense, unless you're a really, really good actor. Um, I, I typically lean towards um, like female characters like that I can relate to, you know? Yeah. Also, yeah. Uh, I like co- the costumes better. <laughs> well, so. I mean, there's that. Yeah. <laughs> well, we've, it's funny that you meant, you know, that mentioned that you were, how, creating these characters and how you've gone to ones that were more aligned with you know who you who you are now as a person uh, or mm-hmm. out, out now as a person but you know it's interesting to have that progression because i think a lot of people use the role playing of dungeons and dragons to to experiment to try out to see like you know this might be something that had been repressed or or just they didn't know about themselves and then through play of uh characters that are different from them they realize that it is much more important and part of their psyche than than they ever would have thought, and if they didn't have the prompting that Dungeons and Dragons can provide in these in these type of roles. Exactly. Well, when when I um, you know I started playing Dungeons and Dragons more, like maybe two in, two or three years into like playing a bit every week, I I came out as a as a halfling, <laughs> as a, as a sexy little halfling, and. Um, <laughs> <laughs> And now I people almost, know. I almost said a dwarf, but um, <laughs> I think halfling is more funny. It rolls off the tongue a little bit better. Yeah. Um, yeah, but typically all my characters now, because that character was very stoic, didn't have much of a personality. All of the characters that I create now, um, I, I don't typically hold on to characters as much. Uh, like, I don't do a lot of 
campaigns weekly anymore. You know, she's booked. Um, she, you know, she's, she's got to make money. Uh, I'm just wiping off my eyebrows. I have a little bit of modesty right here. Um, but, uh, all my characters are, are all women, but they're also, I typically like chaotic magic users and my alignment is always like chaotic neutral. I love to impede progress in a campaign. That is my favorite thing in the world because I am a liability in real life and (laughs) I I need to play a liability in the game too. Like what sorts of things do you do? Um, Typically I do magic users that have, um, they're like randomized spells uh, where it's like the DM will know my moveset or will know my spells and they're like size changing spells or like just odd morphing spells. Um, so the, the DM will usually uh, roll for me and, and like do whatever is more, um, I would say, because I do a lot of live D&D or like D and D where it's like someone's watching and it's more of a performative experience. So um, whatever is better for the campaign. Right. So do you, do you like rolling on tables? Cause that's do one like, of my favorite things I, to do is like a table. Just give me a good table. I just, I just want unpredictability. Um, I do. I, I do typically roll on table um, when I play uh, like personal games, but Usually uh, uh, I don't roll on table when uh, we do performative stuff because sometimes if you, you know, if you only have a two hour show and you got to get, you got to get there, you can't just sit there rolling. Sometimes you got to be like, Oh, whoa, a natural 20 oh. that's, on the first roll. That's insane. I mean, oh. like that. yeah. I mean, I'm not cheating, but, but you're, you're moving the story. <laughs> exactly. Forward. Yeah. The opposite of what your character would do, who would yeah. probably <laughs> I need to move the story so that I can impede it. Right. <laughs> You're like, I'm tired of impeding it in this way. Yeah. I want to impede it in a My different way. My mantra is be the roadblock that you know you've always been. <laughs> I mean, sometimes your fantasy and your reality do intersect in that way. Yeah, that's beautiful. It is. Thank you. Yeah. That was yeah. gorgeous. That was a great mantra. If you put that on a t-shirt, I will buy it. I think I am going to. I'm going to go to check Cafe Press right now. Yeah, if you one. put it on <laughs> Cafe Press. <laughs> <laughs> I love- just get on Redbubble. Uh, Find me on my Snow on my space. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey. My live journal banner. <laughs> <laughs> I told you I ate... White bread, peanut butter, and fluff sandwiches as a child, okay? That is, <laughs> I'm I mean, that's insane you. to me. Yeah, well. <laughs> when did you, when, so when did you get into drag? When did, when did that, you know, uh, become, uh, you know, a big part of, of, of what you're doing? Well, I got into drag five and a half years ago. I know I started on my birthday. Um, but I mainly got into drag because I, I had seen RuPaul's Drag Race before. Um, well, question, have you guys seen RuPaul's Drag Race Obviously. I have, but I've not seen the, the most recent season. Okay, that's the one that I'm on. So I know, I know. You're not so doing apologies. your job. You know, you're I interviewing, know. just watch one episode. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go. Yeah, okay, bye. Thank you. Um, it's on Philo. It's on uh, <laughs> well, I got into drag um, five years ago, and I had known about Drag Race. I'd watched Drag Race, and 
the way that the girls were depicted on the show and the type of queens that were being shown and being cast were queens that were into the pageant scene. Um, there were some female impersonators. There were a lot of uh, girls that looked like um, like picturesque kind of examples of like women, and there weren't like overly drawn, cartoony, campy, um, like you know, like girls portrayed on the show. And I was not interested in creating the illusion. A, like a, like a female illusion. Um, I um, I was an illustrator before, you know. I'm a freelance illustrator and um, freelance animator before um, I started doing drag. Uh, I also worked in fast food for for ten years. So I mean that's I mean that was the main thing that brought me money. But you know I've always been creative and I've always um, made something from nothing and I've been creative. Um, I was attracted to drag because I saw a drag show where someone did a number as Lumpy Space Princess from Adventure Time, and they did My Humps, but the Alanis Morissette oh version, and it was like a ballad <laughs> version, and then they just moved around the stage, and they started shaking their body really weird. It was very, one, dumb. <laughs> <laughs> Two, it was very nerdy. It was very, very, very nerdy. And three, it did not take itself too seriously. And those are the the things, like, those are, like, kind of, like, my main points to live my life is to be, like, irreverently nerdy, uh, not take yourself seriously, and to be dumb, you know? And that's what attracted me to drag. And that's kind of what made me realize that drag is less of, like, female impersonation, and it's more of, like breaking down gender binaries and kind of like it's an it's a performative art like expressive performative art um and i i started doing drag with the intention of going more in a cartoon uh like a cartoony route and like with with big eyes and and uh anime silhouettes and numbers that people won't understand so that's yeah that's typically long-winded answer that's how i got into drag <laughs> that's awesome and, and then, then, and, and then, then how the did road the, the Rup- to- go ahead, Jai. Yeah, no, I'm just like, how did you end up on RuPaul's Drag Race? Um, they called the wrong person, and I just happened. My no- phone number is one off from uh. the person that was on the list. Uh, I just also happened to be Asian too, so they checked off that. They're like, you know, one Pacific <laughs> Islander for the for the He'll season, do. and yeah, she'll be fine. Whatever, um, as long as we can pronounce her name, and then they oh. can- <laughs> and that. <laughs> Well, Rock, you've done a good job with that so far. Yes, exactly. Rock. Thank you. Yeah, Rock. <laughs> We're winking for those of you listening to the audio version right now. That was uh, an audio audible wink, right? An audible wink. Um, Ding. It's an ASMR wink. I have very wet eyes. Uh, <laughs> Always crying. But, um, yeah, I basically, I ended up getting on a drag race because drag as an art form has changed so much over the course of well five years since I you know I um, first started performing drag and and since drag races even started um, drag has really just kind of grown and evolved into this bigger thing that has like subcultures in it and different queens are represented all over the world I ended up I feel like I ended up on drag race because one I have a lot of charisma 
but two, I do represent a niche culture in, um, uh, you know, in the drag scene. And they, and, and you're awesome. Yeah. Right? And they're also, we need, we need someone whose IQ is, uh, double digits. So <laughs> I was just, I was just the right person to call. I, I believe that is, uh, is what they call shade, right? Is that what you just did? Uh, yes, yes. Okay, good. Yes, yes. Congratulations. Good job. Your, good job, Tatum. Thank you. Recognize shade. There is a lot of shade in D&D. You know that there's shade going on. Just no one, nobody says that it's shade. I'm sure that it has, um, is there a cast shade? Should I make? Yeah, you should make that spell. Okay, I oh. should make that spell. There is a bard spell, uh, which I've always loved, is, uh, oh, I'm forgetting the name of it, but it is basically uh, a cantrip that, that insults someone so badly that they take psychic damage, which is basically shade. Right? <laughs> that is, yeah, that is essentially, that is, that is to the T what shade is. <laughs> God, why am I forgetting what that, what that bard cantrip is? Someone in chat, tell me. Please um, tell me because I want to know what it is too. Is that the? Is it vicious mockery? Yes, vicious mockery. That's it. Yeah, vicious it's, mockery does sound exactly like what shade is. Yeah. It yeah, and it's like is. I mean another way to put it is like roasting. Right. Yes, but not in good fun. <laughs> uh, yeah, not in good fun. I mean, I guess shade is in good fun. Um, you throw shade kind of when you are. I feel like in a comfortable space with someone like shade isn't always actually that's not true. You can throw shade at someone when you really don't like them. It is, it, it is back and forth. It is psychological warfare. It is. It is. It is. Yeah. But with uh, someone's, but with someone's uh, bad shoes. <laughs> oh, were you, uh, you were a guest on Matt bombs, uh, Queens of adventure. I well, was. Right? Yes. That was so fun. They're awesome. I love that. Uh, we've seen uh, uh, their show, their live shows uh, here in Seattle. Um, and uh, he's, he, I, he's been on the podcast, I think. So it's been, yeah, it's been super a great fun DM. to, uh, yeah, and it's a really good DM. And I love how they incorporate, you know, the drag performances within the story, the context of the story. It makes it so much fun. It is. Um, it's one of those things too, where, uh, it really his show really brings together drag culture and Dungeons and Dragons humor, and it turns it into something different. And the my my main thing is I love to watch drag queens play D anD D that don't know how the game is played. Yes, and I I feel like a lot of my appeal for the or a lot of what draws me to the game is people that play it really bad and struggle and try to get out using their charisma. I feel, I always like things that kind of, um, uh, make fun of the structure of the game, you know? So when Queens don't know how to play, it's great. (laughs) It's like, it's more entertaining to see, see Queens playing that don't know how to play than anyone else in my, my, I don't know what, maybe it is like the, cause they, they lean so heavily on charisma. They just become more creative, but it's like, I, I I could watch that forever and ever. Oh yeah, me too. Well, that's also why I like to impede people's um, impede people's progress because when I do play with other queens, um, they usually take it very seriously. 
like goals and objectives and it's too it's very cut and dry like we got to get this over with and I'm like no you're gonna stay here and we're gonna figure out this problem because I just made another problem for you you're not leaving this chair until we finish this campaign Becky (laughs) (laughs) finish your lunchable finish your Uh, lunchable Becky are you ever have you ever DM'd or do you have any interest in in being a dungeon master? Because the more we talk, the more I'm I'm curious what your style would be like. (laughs) I would love to be a DM, but I have never DM'd before, mostly because DMing requires a lot of preparation with, um, I feel like uh, it's a lot of preparation and understanding and a lot of reading material, like knowing what you're going to present to people, kind of having a logic. You know, I have a lot of charisma and I can build a story, but um, kind of having all those facts is so hard for me. I would freeze up if I had everything in front of me. I would follow, if I have it in front of me, I follow the rules in the books too much, which is why like I try to stay away from that realm. I mean, but I, who knows, maybe I'll give it a try. Um, we all got to fail once. <laughs> yeah. Or twice. Shelly, you can speak to all that, right? Yes. Have you, yes. Have you guys had bad DM experiences? Oh, I have. Is it like and open then, mic night where you choke? and? Yes. Like- a thousand percent. <laughs> it's exactly. And like the audience is just staring at you. And then there's some quiet, like, get her off the stage in the back. In oh, the my background. God. Although nobody really said that, they didn't say it, but I like felt it. I felt the energy in the you room. You can feel of, their like, eyes. They're like, um, I, I'm using my lunch hour for this. Oh my God. <laughs> this is, that's what drag is like too. When you bomb oh. and you're on the microphone and it literally is just like, get this done as soon as possible. But when you're hosting, so that, that happens when you're on the microphone, you're hosting a show, you get the next girls on stage. Um, when you bomb on the mic, you could easily just be like, all right, DJ, play the next track and then get the next girl on. When yeah. you DM, you can't do that. You're stuck there, okay? You have players' I lives. If there's in a your way hands. to incorporate. Can you incorporate a DJ? <laughs> I'm wondering. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, I would just say, okay, so then you guys, you hear this this music coming from a tavern and you're going to go listen for a minute. And then I would just like go, like call somebody or go through the books or Google, like, what do I do? Okay. Uh, Can you believe that Lady Gaga is playing in this tavern right now? So weird. (laughs) Yeah. Get them drunk. Uh, It It also helps that when you do drag performances, it is in a bar. So um, typically by the time the performance comes on, people are, more persuaded to mm-hmm. uh they're plastered um to give you money and to clap and scream because yes, they're because it's warped so as a, I, I i did stand-up comedy for a little while and bombing while doing that you're right very right when you're in a oh. uh a bar environment that's everyone's there for the express purpose of you know getting plastered and and, and uh listening to something make you funny when that bombs, it's terrible. It's an awful feeling. But my worst experience was trying to do stand up at a wedding. At, like at a, a wedding? At a wedding. That was Just asked to do it. it or were you invited? I was invited <laughs> as a friend and then also be like, hey, we're going to have a whole bunch of performances. And uh, it would it went immediately terrible. And I did the thing <laughs> that you just did where I was like, and uh, we are going to transition into toast. We're just going to toast. And You're like, everyone, all right, can we get them uh, kissing now? 
Can, yep, bright and green. Uh, can you go make out, please? Okay, yeah. goodbye. I'll just eat. I'll just drink <laughs> all the the, mar- the apple martinis. <laughs> That's horrible. maybe maybe you thought you did, but oh no, it was bad. You really? The I look. I no, because I like I told like two jokes and f- completely flat. And the the, the uh, bride's father, who had traveled all the way from Israel to be at the wedding, I, I distinctly remember him. His body posture was just like. Oh no! And I'm like, all right. Were you offensive? What did you say? I don't even remember what the joke was, but it was it was. I think I did the the stupid thing where I was like, I'm going to make jokes that are like not necessarily making fun of the institution of marriage, but definitely, you know, the best thing you could look at these two idiots. I did it the exact wrong tact. It's like um, uh, you know, uh, what's it called? Um, Hindsight is twenty twenty. Yeah. So I when you're there, the you're like, material. this is going to kill. And then you get booed <laughs> off the stage at a wedding. There's there's 25 people here. They're yep. already drunk. And they're still not laughing at your institution. They just want to dance. Just, they just want to hear the village exactly. people and do some YMCAing. Yeah. The only good part about this was that I was able to turn that into material that I did on stage later that ended up killing. Uh, there you go. That's the Talking thing about my awful Everything experience. is fodder. Trash into treasure, honestly. Part of mm-hmm. comedy or uh, improv is um, it, the less, the more you try to like avoid your mistakes and your like social faux pas, you know, during your set, uh, the more awkward it is. But if you if you are able to do it in a way that you can reference that humor and make it funny, it really spins a good like a bad situation into a good one and that's one of the yeah. things that you you learn as a, as a comedian uh, as an improver as a performer is how to make your not so strong points or to take your like your stuttering or your flubs on the microphone and turn it into something that's really fun yeah it's cuz in some ways comedy is about um creating tension oh right? yeah you, you need to create tension in order to have the punchline, right? And so the tension of screwing up is, is, is great as long as you can then turn it into something that feels like, oh, I can, I can let people laugh now, not feel awkward for you. Exactly. They can laugh at, yeah, like, oh, this person oh. is aware of what's happening and, and, and you know, you can be in, in on the joke. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, how did you bomb DMing? Me? Oh, um, so it's, I, I did a lot of preparation, or so I thought, um, but I did so much preparation to the point where I, I didn't anticipate that the players might do something different than what I planned for. And they immediately, like, I was like, everything that, I'm, that I planned is, like, right over here to the left. And they, like, they were like, okay, we're going to go to the right. And then I was like, oh, like, just, <laughs> I just oh, died. Like, I don't know what's to the right. And instead of being like, okay, like, everything that I planned is now to the right, I just was like, Okay, what the hell is to the right? I don't know. Who oh, I, how do I get? I and I. It was it was stupid. Like the whole story was dumb, and like everything I planned was dumb. And like I saw Are their like sure sad faces, and they were like they were so face. kind. But I I hated like the pity of like oh she's trying. Oh my god, look at how hard she's trying, and she's really sucking. But we're gonna smile and say it's okay, and it's not okay. It's that's not okay. The, that's when you put the partitions up like that, and you're like, I'm just gonna look at. <laughs> <laughs> I would just like put on a cloak and just 
You see like, this you, figure. Can you guys excuse like me for, for just one and minute, please? <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. What? Yep. So hard? I can see it. <laughs> I think we're back. Hi. So there's everybody. there's so many parts of DMing that I think I bit. would love, but I was too scared to really to ever try it again, which is why um, we have the irony here is that we have a segment on Dragon Talk called How to Be a Dungeon Master, and I uh, interview really talented dungeon masters to try oh. you know, to get inspiration and, and tips, and that we have a segment as part of this show today mm-hmm. that is actually about game preparation. From, oh, a, from a gentleman who wrote a book called The Lazy DM. So oh, apparently, wow. like, we can DM and not actually, like, have to do as much work as we both think we have to. Good. The Lazy DM sounds like something that I've gotten a lot of in the past few weeks. <laughs> <laughs> I've gotten a lot of Lazy DMs. They get right to the point. I'm not sure if that's forward or... You guys gotta work for it. I mean, seriously. It's it's not even an eggplant. That's like a (laughs) a piece of kale. It's just the egg. It's just the egg. (laughs) It's just just one egg, a fried egg emoji. You know, it's it's so easy to get creepy messages sometimes when you are a drag performer or if you are a nerd girl. It is easy to for people to feel like, hey, you're someone of interest that I find like attractive. So here is a DM. Here is your <laughs> invite. And people No. No. Does dude. that work? Does it work for anyone? No. I mean, it has never worked know. for anyone in the history of time. In fact, you are just wasting a perfectly badly lit picture of your nether regions on me right now. So <laughs> Save it for another day. Save it for your doctor. Okay. <laughs> Save it for your doctor. Did you should write back. Did you mean to send this to your doctor? Well, sometimes. <laughs> Maybe sometimes you meant I, MD. That's where the DM. shade comes in. Vicious uh, <laughs> mockery the heck out of that. I usually send a picture of scissors. <laughs> Stop so, this. Takes uh, so, a lot for me to block you, though. Social media is, you know, you're right. There's, there's lots of. Yeah. Uh, this is my, this is my attempt at a, at a uh, 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 you know, a segue. The segue um, master. Uh, social media is going to be an important part of reality RP. Uh, oh. And I know you've been working a lot with Ryan Omega, one of the designers, on getting uh, stuff together for this fun thing that's going on through D and D Live 2020. First of all, thanks for for you know agreeing to be a part of it, but. I know we don't want to talk about uh, secrets of the character or things like that, but what's, what's it been like working on this and, and getting ready for unveiling next week? Well, I have to say that I'm very excited for this event because not only is it, um, it's, it's so new for all of us who are playing, you know, this live action role play through social media, but there is so much work and care that has gone into the world, the characters and, um, like our, our challenges that we're doing and the format of the show really makes it interesting and really kind of sh- shakes up, um, kind of shakes up, uh, RPing right now. And, um, that's, I mean, that's what role-playing is all about is introducing new things that make it fun and fresh. So I'm, I'm really excited for you guys to see all of these characters. I have new outfits. Uh, oh, I have a new outfit already planned for this character. Um, 
And, and using new new makeup too? No. Same makeup. Uh, same makeup. <laughs> that's okay. No, no that's it's, all right. It's, it's, we want we want to know who you are. Uh, exactly. Uh, my, Your my look thing is, is very signature. It's I can't change it because if I if I add one ounce less of eyeliner, people just think that I'm not trying. <laughs> They're like, hey, she got lazy. Why does she look like a lady today? You're like, I was trying to mix it up. I don't want to look like a clown all the time. Um, <laughs> like a lady. This whole experience is also very daunting, too, especially coming on as, you know, like, um, like D&D isn't, um, I don't consider myself, like, the best RPer. Like, I still need a lot of practice. Um and I want to do my best, especially like representing the drag community. So I just want to make sure that I make a fun and interesting show. That is my main goal is to create something that people will want to watch and that our people are actively engaged in. Me too. Yeah. And that's really exciting. I think, you know, people being able to uh, interact with these characters in a way that you're right, we've never done anything like this before. I don't know if anything like this has been kind of presented out there, but I'm, I'm really interested to see how the audience responds to, uh, you know, the information that you guys will be uh, putting out there, uh, you know, as well as things that they can discover on their own and work together uh, to, to really kind of see how, what happens when these, these challenges go uh, and... Yeah, trust it's, me. It's, it's, it could, it, uh, I'm excited to see it too. How this turns out, this could easily turn into a, um, a stand up at a wedding. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, but sometimes people people choose the right path, and you gotta you gotta figure it out on the way. You know what I'm saying? I can't wait. That's right. And you, like you said, taking risks is is a big part of. Uh, you know, any new thing that is put out there creatively. So that's that's what we're trying to the do. The question here is, and... will this end my career? And the answer is definitely. <laughs> so as long as you already okay established that. that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's on uh, my character well as... sheet. It's just <laughs> career ends at end of campaign. Is just that <laughs> something that is a plot that needs to happen sometime in the campaign? I think this is going to open all sorts of new doors for you. I think so too. And possibly DMs. Well, I yeah, definitely. There. I mean, I'm already getting DMs from DMs. <laughs> is that? Hold on. I'm thinking. Is there a joke there's in a joke there? there? Yeah. Yeah. There, there's totally a joke there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we'll figure it out by the end of the podcast. Stand on that. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, so uh, I'm excited to see the, the. I've actually seen a picture of what your character looks like too. So I I, I can't wait for yeah, I haven't seen uh, everyone else to. Oh my god, it. you must love Photoshop. I <laughs> <laughs> did you do it in Photoshop? No, oh. I took the picture and um, I made my features a little bit more flattering here on my chin because being inside, I have taken um, quite the liking to uh, cheese its. Uh, potato oh, chips, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A, mm-hmm. a certain chicken in a biscuit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you got to take care of yourself. There are yeah. no rules. Have, right you, now. have you have you gained the COVID nineteen like I have? Did you get COVID nineteen? No, but I've gained it in my my weight region body. Oh, <laughs> I was like, oh my god, he's sick. 
Somebody help <laughs> right us. now. I've gained 19 pounds. Right. In, oh, the in, COVID-19, uh, 19 pounds. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, um, like the freshman 15, right? That's that was Yes. Like, you know, yes. Um, quarantine 15. Maybe more, <laughs> maybe less. I I gained We're all um, in it. I gained some of the body mass that uh, is like the I gained the complete body mass of some of the contestants on my season. Um, <laughs> if we divided myself by weight into RuPaul's Drag Race contestants, I'm probably two and a half. That is not true. That is that is that is very true. Definitely not after this interview because you've been squatty pottying this whole yeah, time. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah, that's and the fiber. Was that even in the interview? The, was that <laughs> captured in the podcast? Oh, we were talking about squatty potty before we, this. We, brought, we definitely brought it up while we were doing Okay, I've been on the squatty potty this whole time, you guys. Just one continuous <laughs> string. Unbroken. Do what you gotta do. Yeah. Like, I'm like I'm like a fish. Just... <laughs> what? D&D How? stands for... Do and do. Do-do. Oh, like doo-doo. Uh, uh. <laughs> I know a six-year-old uh. in the other room that's going to love that joke. He's covered in Nutella, so he'll probably really appreciate this. <laughs> or doo-doo. It's or hard doo-doo. to tell. <laughs> hard to tell the difference. <laughs> do you play uh, uh, D&D with your kids? Sometimes. Yeah, I've played a couple of times uh, trying to do more. My uh, my six-year-old... Uh, uh, doesn't want me to dungeon master. She she wants to do it herself. Oh, okay. So, I thought she was Fiona. like, You're, you suck, dad. <laughs> You're it's more a bad of a control thing. Master. She's more of a we like, want I want to be. Will you yeah, stop killing want... off my character, dad? I'm sorry I didn't clean my room. <laughs> Will you clean your room, Fiona? <laughs> Eat that raisin bran while you're at it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but no, it, it, it is super uh, fun to get them into that imaginary role play thing, and and uh, you know they're, they're still playing with dolls and stuffed animals and things like that, and doing their own role playing, uh, you know, in play. And so having it more focused when it's about the fantasy role playing is is always fun, and they're looking for more time to do it. Well, it's Hopefully always when really I get less important busy. to kind of like develop a child's imagination and also just keep it um, keep it well into like their like early development and like. Um, like teenage years, I feel like uh, imagination and role playing and RPing is really important for problem solving, especially in everyday mm-hmm. life. And it's a valuable skill to have in like the workplace or uh, in a work environment, like adaptability, being able to tell a narrative and being able to actively work with people. Yes. And numbers. being able to read the room and respond to the different personalities is. Oh, yeah. Very, very positive trait. I've been thinking a lot about, because I always think about like playing D&D with my son. Like Mm -hmm. we would be the the dungeon master. He would be the player. But lately I've been thinking maybe we should have him take on the role of dungeon master. Because they're like, especially now that there's like, there's so much in flux. And even though he's only, you know, six, he still recognizes things are different. Like, obviously he's like, I haven't been to school in four months. This is weird. But um, I feel like if kids, it's been a really long weekend that they may need to have some sort of like semblance of control over the world. And they could maybe get that from being the dungeon master. Like, you know, it's a safe way for them to exert control on Mom and dad. This is what's called a thesis. And then should I should I should I keep workshopping it? What would also be a good show, especially for I don't know, like maybe like 
like a kids like a kids like if you had a kid themed like Dungeons and Dragons show where it's like kid DMs and like really good like RPers are the characters in it. You know, I yes. I love exploring a kid be the DM. Yeah. I, I love it. I feel like kids have a lot of like imagination and they're good at improv because they're they're literally just starting to think of everything. So and they're fearless about it. Like they'll just like they don't have the, the I'm gonna bomb at, at a wedding phobia or <laughs> you know they they don't they don't care. Like they don't have that like I'm I'm gonna fail at this or everyone's gonna laugh at me or they're just they're just like okay I uh, I'll tell you what's behind that door oh yeah it's the poop monster ha ha <laughs> and he throws poop been at you a lot of my games uh, I had a <laughs> yeah. die because we couldn't get out of a room and there were bats like flying at the top of the room and they just kept pooping and then we drowned in guano so um, turns out. Oh. I should have just tried to open the door twice. I learned a valuable lesson that day. I know what that is—a like, lesson we should all learn. Work. As long try, as you don't cast fireball again. in that room, you should be okay. They did cast fireball in that room. Yeah. Oh no! It's just. You're <laughs> like it stays here. <laughs> it's just nonstop burning. Oh my god! Well, fire. <laughs> And well, you still didn't try the door. And I still didn't try the door. I was like, that door is a lie. We got to dig our <laughs> way out. <laughs> Swim through the poo. Let's get Impede out of this the Nutella. Progress. Oh, wait. It's not Nutella. <laughs> oh. <laughs> that's, well, that's when I was still playing male characters. So that was, um, I, I think that character was um, a man who was abandoned in the woods and was raised by uh chickadees like small birds oh and so i would communicate mainly through like a series of like tweeting and like and like hand gestures so it was very um it was not well thought through (laughs) that's very hard (laughs) so um it's funny in the moment but then you can't you can't uh, renege back on it later. <laughs> you you gotta commit. Yeah, you gotta commit. I got on that table. Tweety <laughs> <laughs> bird. Yeah, just like a bird. <laughs> well, I, I think your reality RP character is not uh, an Aarakocra or a Kenku, uh, as far as I know. So, uh, wow, you, you don't know have a that lot to of look birds, forward to. Too. Is. <laughs> Those are, yeah, those are two bird ra- bird-like races, uh, or at least the ones that have wings uh, here in Dungeons and Dragons. But we are excited about uh, you know showing off everything with Reality RP as well as D and D Live 2020. I can't wait, Rockham Sakura. Thank you so much for being here and being awesome uh, and playing D and D in this community. I'm glad uh, you know just real quick your experiences that you had early on. I'm glad that it's 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 not like that anymore, yeah. and, and we want to welcome you with open arms to the D&D community, and I hope this is just the start Thank you. more I, and more fun stuff you can do with it. I feel so welcome, and, and this podcast has been so fun. You guys have been very welcoming to me, and I, I feel very confident about this um, this live Yay! RP. Yay! So I'm much excited. Uh, how can people uh, find out more about what you're doing, uh, You know, RuPaul's Drag Race, all of the above? Where, when's your next show? So, if you would like to um, oh, first off, uh, Reality RP, you know, you can join us for that live RP event. Um, 
you can also follow me on Twitter at Rock'em Sakura, Instagram at Rock'em Sakura. I do not have any live appearances coming up besides that. But if you follow me on the, my social media accounts, then we will definitely be doing um, more um, Zoom-based live shows. Um, I have a Pokemon show uh, in development, and I also have a Steven Universe show in development, too. Oh, cool. So, oh, if, awesome. You know, stay tuned, follow, and um, uh, uh, follow your dreams. <laughs> Good advice. Good follow advice. Don't eat raisin bran. So much. You ju- this is like, awesome, I mean, uh, and I can't wait for more. Don't do it. No, don't listen to her. Don't eat raisin brands. With I, lots of sugar, it's not that bad. I true, true, true. You know, it just eat sugar. Some, yeah, just have <laughs> the sugar. What? That's what I like to do. Cut out the middleman. Just go for the sugar. Mm-hmm. Cut out the middleman and just die. Just- <laughs> <laughs> don't worry about the diabetes part of it. Just go right to the <laughs> other part. <laughs> I already dug a, a grave. Just jump in. <laughs> and on that note, there are uh, no rules. I think that's the perfect uh, end of this interview. <laughs> <laughs> you are a delight. Thank you. You guys have been so wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. You too. Can't You're wait to see how uh, reality see RP plays out. Girl, is it is, is going to be my wedding. It is. I swear. <laughs> Your stand up at a wedding. <laughs> Wow. Uh, I want to know so much uh, more about uh, what is going on uh, for Reality RP, don't you? Yes. And I feel it's, like I feel like even you don't know because you don't really know where these performers are going to take everything. That's right. I am Nobody knows. Along. I'm playing along with everybody else. Yes. Uh, I have had people uh, on the D&D team uh, uh, who are asking questions. And I'm like, do you want? to know or do you want to play along and they're like oh I want to play along and so uh, that's really exciting some people know some people don't and so we will need your help those of you at home uh, to pay attention uh, closely to the performances to the interactions as well as what's uh, discoverable on the map for reality RP Uh, there's a lot of fun stuff just about the adventure in general so you know enfranchised D&D fans will get uh, some some a little bit of gazetteer information by exploring uh, the map of that area, um, as you know, in preparation for when the adventure comes out in September. Uh, but you will also be able to suss out some more things uh, if you pay attention and work together. Uh, and that's the important part: is working together not only with uh, other audience members, but with the performers. And so I'm hoping uh, Rock M Sakura got a little bit more uh, loyal fans uh, by coming in and talking to us uh, in preparation for Reality RP. And D&D yes. Live 2020, roll with advantage. Oh, I can't wait. Said it at the top, and I'll say it again. June 18th, 10 a.m. Pacific time is when everything begins. Uh, there will be some amazing gameplay to start. I'm hinting and smiling with my eyes. Uh, and then we will announce uh, the new adventure in its entirety with uh, our principal writer, Mr. Chris Perkins, uh, at 12 noon uh, Pacific time, as well as Jeremy Crawford joining that to give some commentary on what is going on with this. And uh, and then the announcements just keep coming until we have a fantastic game plan for you at 2 p.m. Pacific time with Deborah Ann Wall as the Dungeon Master. So can't wait for all that. 
mark your calendars. June 18th uh, is where it all begins, but we've got programming going uh, for three days, and you at home can play along with Reality RP or uh, with the Dungeons & Dragons Adventurers League uh, games that are also playing that you can sign up for now. And again, it all is for raising money for Red Nose Day, uh, a good cause that helps uh, people who are affected by everything that's happening in the world right now, including uh, COVID-19, including uh, you know the systemic racism that uh, many of us are uh, fighting against. Uh, and so your small contribution can help uh, have large dividends uh, by c- uh, contributing to Red Nose Day during D&D Live and at all times. Uh, and yes. You know, we we are in firm support of all of those causes. Indeed. All right, Shelley. Uh, people can follow you where? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter or Instagram at Shelley Moo. I am what at about Greg you? Tito on Twitter and uh, at Greg underscore Tito on Instagram. And, uh, of course, you should follow along uh, for Reality RP and all things Dungeons & Dragons on uh, DungeonsAndDragons.com. You'll find out all the information about D&D Live there using the hashtag D&D Live 2020 on Instagram as well as uh, on Twitter uh, will help you. And Reality RP, hashtag that, uh, you'll find all the information uh, about what is going on with that promotion uh, through, through all those social tags that I just mentioned. There's a lot. But it's yes. exciting, and you should find out uh, what you can. I love it. I can't wait. We'll have a bonus episode this week uh, with uh, Christian Niarn. Uh, uh, Christian Niarn. I keep saying too many syllables in his name, but uh, he plays Hodor on Game of Thrones. So look for that special episode uh, to drop this week. And then Dragon Talk will be uh, not live for a couple of weeks. We'll come back in July with new recordings. And uh, you know, just want to make sure everyone knows that you can look forward to that. All righty. Drunky two-shoes. All right. Let's do this. What has occurred for you? I'm looking for updates of what's happening. You are... Uh, you said you did not know anything about the amulet that the figure had uh, asked about. Uh, right. And then he says, you may have it. Show me where your brother is. Uh, and uh, the assailant, who looks just like your brother, Daryl Two-Shoes, says, show it to me. And uh, you, Drunky, asked to show uh, Daryl to you, uh, but you got a poor roll of the dice, and uh, the assailant was able to get out from underneath your restraint. Uh, The figure that looks like Daryl jumps up, and uh, he attacks you uh, with a rake across the face. Oh, he rolled a 20! Are you kidding oh, me? Yes, you rolled a, uh, a natural 20. He raked my face right off. He raked your face right off. Uh, he does face. a little bit of damage, uh, but then he immediately runs away. No. Uh, and sprints as far as he can, and you see him loping in something that at first you're, you're like, oh, yeah, that's how uh, we tabaxi are able to uh, run. Um, but uh, the, the, the uh, cadence of his gait is very strange. Did he, like, scratch me with claws? Like, cat claws? Uh, yes, because he does have the form of uh, your okay. brother, Daryl. Um, I what scream after him, Wait! I'll show you! I'll show you the amulet! And you I do. run after him. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, roll me a deception check. I rolled a one. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, we got figure, all ends of the we spectrum got here. All extremes. Uh, the figure keeps running away from you uh, at full speed and is now uh, 60 feet away. I'm running that I all trip right. over my feet, but I am going to run after and scream, we, Wait, I'll show it to you! We are going to pause and have our next uh, installment of what occurs with Drunky Two Shoes in all July right. after D&D Live. I can't wait. You too. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thanks for listening. Thank you.